What if I told you that there's something that can help you to improve your coping, love, health, and happiness, that it can shift your confidence, motivation, enthusiasm, inspiration, and empowerment. With these benefits, it may be no surprise to hear that academic and career success are perks of this practice. Oh, and not to mention the benefits extend well beyond you while you get to experience a sense of belonging and support, your relationships improve as well. Wouldn't you want that? I know I do. And that's why I've spent the last decade dedicated to cultivating self-love and helping others to do the same. It's been no easy feat. And knowing this is also why I've become passionate in sharing my practical self-love strategies with others, including you. Hi, I'm Dr. Shana. I'm a mental health counselor, educator, and advocate, and I would like to wish you a warm welcome to the mental wellness practice. In this episode, we'll address common misconceptions about self-love, highlight what self-love truly is, and explore the seven segments of self-love. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and if you're struggling with a mental health problem, please seek professional help. For more information, you can reach out to me at drshana.com or on Instagram at drshana. Thanks for learning and growing with me. Before we dive in, I think it's only fair to share a little bit about how I fell into self-love in the first place. So some of you know that I created the self-love series, including the original self-love workbook, the self-love workbook for teens, Luna Finds Love Everywhere, a self-love book for kids, and the recently released Self-Love Planner. I'll link to my show notes, by the way. But because of this, people often ask me if I've been working on self-love my whole life. While I wish that were true, it isn't. Self-love came into my world at a time when I started to realize that I was living with an anxiety disorder. It wasn't until college that I started to figure this out and I became absolutely fascinated with the field of mental health. What made a crucial difference was that I was beginning to love myself. At the time, I was thankful to be on an effective path of healing and also like today, value individuality. I don't believe that any one thing will work for everyone. And you'll hear me heed that caution a lot in the mental wellness practice. So while it was working for me at the time, I kept my practice personal and I pursued other things. Fast forward past my doctorate and into my private practice and the clients I saw were diverse as I expected and exactly as I wanted it. Diverse in age, background, experiences, career, faith, you name it. But to my surprise, something I had noticed that all of them seemed to be lacking was self-love. And that's when things shifted for me. If we all have mental health, could self-love be an important conduit to cultivating that mental well-being? No spoiler alert needed here. It's an obvious yes. At least that's what I believe. And I also know that some of you may be skeptical 
and that's okay. And, you know, to some degree, I even think that's good and that's healthy. I like that you're thinking critically. Remember, I didn't believe that at first either. I didn't believe it was for everyone. That's such a wide sweeping generalization. As I've worked to help others improve self-love over the years, I've seen some common misunderstandings that stand in the way, just like believing self-love is unimportant. And if you have your own hesitancies around self-love, this is a great time to pause and jot those down. And together, we're going to go ahead and move forward, spending some time addressing these misconceptions so you can get one step closer to improving your self-love and your mental wellness. Misconception number one, self-love is selfish. Focusing on self-love does not mean you're going to become self-absorbed. I know that a lot of people think that it is a slippery slope in that path, but that's not the case. You do turn your energy inward, which I know for many is quite a redirection, but the benefits are not selfish. In reality, in order to care for others effectively, and that's just care, not even talking about love yet, one must first care for themselves. And love is no different. I know you've likely heard the plane analogy before. In case of an emergency, no matter who's nearby, it's critical to put on your mask before helping others. I know you've heard it. I've heard it time and time again, but it applies here. It's the truth. In a situation like that, I don't think anyone would dare tell someone who abides by that regulation that they're selfish. We know in a situation similar to that, and in other versions in our world, that when we go ahead and take care of ourselves and pour into our cup, not only are we more hydrated, but our cup is full enough to then allow us the ability to pour into others. So that self-focus, while it might seem atypical to what you've learned, what culture has told you, what society has said, The reality is that it's not egocentric. It can also be community love. Misconception number two, self-love is entitlement. Entitlement believes that you're unconditionally owed something regardless of your efforts, behavior, or context. This is distinct from knowing your inherent worth, which is a component of self-love. Depending on your perspective on humility and deservingness, I understand that you might find it difficult to believe that you are worthy of self-love. And if this is the case, it may be helpful to consider basic human needs. One could argue by one, it's like, it's me. I I argue this, (laughs) but one could argue, (laughs) I could argue anyway. That compassion, care, and acceptance are as fundamental as water, food, or shelter. There's a lot of research and literature, especially within the psych realm, of course, that really points to that. It's a basic human need. Self-love isn't about why you deserve a billion dollars or a fancy yacht or a mansion. That's different. We're not talking about an overly ambitious jump. Self-love isn't elite or exclusive. 
It's a core aspect of humanity. Misconception number three, self-love is sinful. This one I come to, I've intentionally organized it to be in the middle here because it's important to first get out that self-love isn't selfish or entitlement because those are usually things that a lot of the core religions will say that is not healthy for us. So once we get that out, it's interesting to me that a lot of people are still stuck with stuck with believing that self-love is sinful. It's a lot of S's. And as a person who likes the letter S, my man, that was a lot. Anyhow, I understand that faith is really important to a lot of people and it may be important to you. And sometimes we are programmed to think that self-love is actually some of these misconceptions. And because of that, we start to believe that self-love is wrong and we get to this bigger jump that self-love is sinful. But let's lean into what a sin actually is. A sin is an act that's not only inappropriate, but often violent or dangerous. Self-love is the opposite. Self-love isn't meant to go against a principle or more grounding. It is the enlightened journey to care for yourself in order to prompt this domino effect of care and compassion for those around you. Yes, those you love, but for others too. Nevertheless, due to varying concepts of what self-love is, from time to time, individuals may view self-love as being against their values and beliefs. I know we all have different values and beliefs, so I'm not going to make a huge generalization. And I understand too, that just as everyone is unique, our interpretations of scripture may vary as well. But I will say, if you're struggling with differentiating self-love from sin, it may be helpful for you to research and reflect on whether a conflict truly exists. Regardless of your faith or belief system, it may be worthwhile to consider the commonalities in various world religions. Oftentimes, the tasks encapsulated in being a moral person include benevolence, forgiveness, personal growth, all of which align with the practice of self-love. If I lean specifically into the golden rule of treating others as you want to be treated, that is the essence of self-love. From this common adage, we often jump to the lesson to treat others kindly, but we shouldn't forget the implication that this requires being kind to ourselves as well. Misconception number four, self-love is an excuse. Self-love is an active, engaged process that evokes a wealth of positive benefits. But that journey is not always an easy one. A critical component in self-love is recognizing your limits, knowing your needs and your worth, asserting interpersonal and intrapersonal boundaries as needed to uphold them. While this all-encompassing process may include mental health days, massages, taking part in your favorite home-cooked meal, it is not an exploitation of all things good. Ironically, perpetually pampering could actually be neglectful 
And then hence that is distinct from self-love. The full process of self-love includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. Beyond the stereotypically positive perks, self-love also includes the decision to recognize your areas for growth, tailoring a potentially difficult yet necessary plan of approach, and bravely tackling it head on. To an outsider, without without any context of it all, Self-love could appear as an excuse, but it's critical that you not only use self-love as your hall pass to escape, you know, responsibility, accountability, difficult situations, but the exact opposite. So not only just like you don't do that. (laughs) True self-love can be enacted by taking accountability and responsibility as you courageously embark on challenging paths. So not only is it not an excuse, it's also an opportunity to tackle really challenging things too. Okay, so now that we've clarified what self-love isn't, what is it? Now, you know from the last episode, I likely won't tell you what you need to believe. And that is something I'd like to maintain throughout the mental wellness practice. So get used to that. (laughs) I will, I want to impart helpful information about mental health in order to support your mental well-being, And I want to be able to honor your individuality. So you'll see me teeter a lot between this is what it could mean, but what does it mean for you? I think a lot of times when we are taught things, especially if we know we're filling a gap and especially from the medical realm, it's, this is what it is. And here is a hard fact. And I believe from a more culturally responsive place that it's important for us to honor what our truths are, even if that means sifting through addressing some misconceptions, that's okay. Knowing where those misconceptions came from and shifting your definition, those are all powerful things too. And you may not shift your definition over time. And you may say, this is true to me. And I, I want to heed some of this guidance and I want to maintain alignment with my core sense of self. And that's great too. So sidebar and disclaimer as we continue. <laughs> but coming back to the definition of self-love, of course, I'm going to share my definition with you today. <laughs> It's a definition that I believe in deeply because it's worked not only for me, but I broke through not just using it for myself and realizing, gosh, other people might need this too. And that was, I don't even want to say was because in my present work, you know, a decade later, it continues to be something that's constant from client to client. It's a definition that works for people as well. It's also the foundation that has been established for the self-love workbooks. So yeah, I really believe in this definition. And again, asterisk, I think it could work for you. It could help you to adapt your definition and you might have your own too. Okay. So I see self-love as the active practice of accepting, caring for, and encouraging oneself. Okay, great. So now what? (laughs) 
I know that that was how I felt when I first went through the understanding of what self-love is, what it isn't, and why it's important. I was just so eager to jump in. Like, great, I know that. Okay, got it. I finally got past this threshold to say, I get it. I want it. Now, how do I make it happen? And it was that stuckness that really propelled me to establish these seven segments because it was so abstract and nebulous to me. Uh, I don't know. It just, there wasn't something that I can go to. And I went to lots of books, really did. Um, Asked lots of people and I just struggled for, okay, maybe it's so individual that no one can give me guidance. There's nothing practical, but for me, in terms of mental wellness, there's this combination between allowing reflection, individuality, and doing some of these actual practical things, whether it's, yes, a reflection, but a task, an action, a behavior. So I struggled with that a lot. And that is where the seven segments of self-love came from. This is a model that can help shift the definition out of abstract and help you integrate self-love into your daily life. A few notes about the segments as we move forward. I'm going to be sharing about them in an order that is helpful for you to build on one another. But as we're going through each segment, you may be called to one over the other. And when you actually start to practice them, you might want to start with those strong suits. Or maybe you're drawn to start with the area that you believe you are lacking in the most. So whatever order you choose, that's okay. Just know that the order that it's provided in could be a nice, easy way for you to start if you're getting your feet wet. As we go through, I'm going to be sharing what each segment is, how each segment is influential to mental wellness, and how you can potentially cultivate that area. Be mindful that we are not trying to fill each section perfectly. The truth is I'm not really sure what that could even look like or if that's even plausible. Our resources are limited and things change from context to context. So it's likely that in one season of life, you might be strong in a certain area and you may find more of a gap in another area and maybe in another season that would shift. So know that we're not looking for perfection in the sense that each area is fully tended to, but we do want to aim to tend to each area and to some extent. So keep that in mind. As we go through each segment, I encourage you to consider what does this segment look like for me? How would I know if I'm struggling in this area? How would I know if I'm thriving in this area? And most practically, where are you in that segment right now in this moment? and see how that reaction sits with you. Self-awareness is the ability to recognize who you are, how you influence the world, and how the world influences you. This encompasses your ability to attune to and take accountability for your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Leaning into self-awareness means you're paying attention. You're willing to observe and notice your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. On top of that, you're open to creating time to reflect. When it comes to mental wellness, self-awareness is critical to help you step into an empowered state of well-being. 
from there, we can consider the distinction even between illness and wellness. And awareness doesn't get enough credit. Lots of people say to me, I'm self-aware, but so what? And I get that. We're hungry for action. But self-awareness is key in being able to get us closer to those healthier actions and opportunities for alignment. Self-exploration is the courage to delve into learning about yourself in order to improve your knowledge of who you are. This is the deepening of self-awareness. We often think it's awareness in action, but excavation gives us these important inner workings. While mental health is important for each and every one of us, it is not a one-size-fits-all process. We're complex beings, and we need to give credence to all the beautiful layers that make us who we are. What works for someone else may not work for another. And since you can't simply copy and paste someone else's process, you have to put in the personal effort to learn and know who you are in order to cultivate your well-being. So if self-awareness is recognizing the difference between illness and wellness, then you can think of self-exploration as understanding what it is that makes them different. If you've been tuning into the podcast and thinking about any of these reflection prompts that I've been offering to you, then congratulations, you have already been doing this (laughs) because self-awareness can be deepened by self-exploration. And that includes taking a deeper dive into your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, which means your identity, your culture, norms, expectations, standards, and any of the nuances that make you who you are. Self-care is the continuous process of proactively considering the context and tending to your needs in order to maintain your wellness. It is a holistic process that we all need in order to foster presence, engagement, self-love, and of course, mental health. It's comprised of a wide variety of tasks that can help you maintain your well-being. Now, This might not surprise you, but I'm not going to spend a bunch of time here because episode four thoroughly covers this segment of self-love. Notice that it's only one part of the wider seven segments, and that's why we're delving into that today. Self-care gets a lot of attention, and understandably so, it's important. But if you're ever feeling like your self-care is falling flat, know that it's because you need to turn to one of these other six segments. Self-esteem is how you appraise your worth. This view of you influences how you think, feel, and behave. Your overall assessment has a variety of components, including how you see your ability to perform a certain task, as well as your trust in your abilities. Your general perceptions tend to be influenced by your experience, personality, culture, and the current context. Low self-esteem is related to poor mental wellness. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that high self-esteem is the pinnacle. Inflated views of self can actually cause problems of its own, such as lack of awareness and empathy. From a self-loving perspective, moderate self-esteem 
keeps us centered, grounded, and allows us to recognize our worth alongside the worth of others. It's not that we're better than, we're just as worthy. So to do this, you can tune into your personal appraisal. Do you hold encouraging or discouraging views of you? What informs informs those views? And what ideas do you believe when it comes to you? Self-respect is the empowered ability to advocate for yourself. Arising out of admiration, respect is demonstrated by acknowledging a person's dignity. As a basic human right, we are all worthy of respect. As we're all created equal, you are deserving of respect from others and from yourself as well. While respecting others is honorable, continually prioritizing respect of others at the expense of your own needs could be working against your mental wellness. A strong sense of self-respect helps you to better respect others and be better respected by others. The respect you deserve is neither more or less than anyone else, but essential nevertheless. Two key ways to assess your self-respect is to explore your values and boundaries. Your values make up your moral code. And when you explore what you value, you can learn your code. Living aligned with your code helps you to be better overall. So let's say you notice that there's a trend and you're not feeling connected to those around you. You spend time together. You just tend to leave feeling aggravated, hurt, confused, and you're just not enjoying your time. Maybe if you consider your values, you might realize that being in their company doesn't help your overall alignment. Maybe you value love and your time spent together is cruel or passive aggressive. Maybe you value honesty and your time together is spent gossiping. Or maybe you value communication and connection and you leave thinking, did anyone have a genuine moment of conversation? This reflection could help you better realize what your values are, how you are or are not aligned with them, and the boundaries that you might need to better align with them in the future. Self-kindness is the skill of being friendly to yourself. It's the grace, comfort, and support you offer a good friend without question. Oftentimes people find themselves kinder to others than they are to their actual selves. I know I've definitely caught myself sometimes saying something really gentle and warm to someone else and realizing shortly after, wow, that was so different than what I said to myself earlier. Self-kindness is still possible in moments like that. It's important that we catch ourselves. Even that catch is kind but also how we return to kindness despite some unkind moments, that makes all the difference. So if you wanna assess the health of your self-kindness, tune into your self-talk. Question if you'd speak the same way you do to yourself, to others. And when you catch those patterns, delve into where they come from. Who else speaks that way? Where did you learn to speak that way? Are those messages aligned with how what societal messages are, cultural, familial messages. 
And the shift from mental illness into wellness doesn't mean that we have to never be unwell again. But again, it's more about how we approach ourselves and encourage wellness when we are challenged. Self-growth is the continual process of seeking opportunities to learn, love, and thrive. No one is ever perfect, and no one will ever be. Recognizing this truth gives us the opportunity to embrace the role of being a lifetime learner. This humbling perspective also empowers us to embrace the notion that there will always be room for growth. When you aren't hyper-focused on a particular finish line far off on the horizon, you can gain the widened perspective to acknowledge that the beauty of the present and being in the present, also how far you've come and where you can continue to go. So self-love becomes a process in which you're continually seeking opportunities to grow. This segment of self-love gives us space to continually work on ourselves. And in terms of our mental health, we can embrace the reality that mental wellness is an ongoing goal and not just a milestone to arrive to. Practicing self-growth to cultivate our mental wellness can take the form of willingness to assess your health, to learn about how to be well, setting an intention, and also adhering to your methods to improve your mental well-being. So there you have it. By now, you have explored what self-love means to you. Hopefully, you've also tackled some misconceptions around self-love and realizing that it is important for your mental well-being. We were able to delve into the seven segments of self-love, and I really hope that that has empowered you to see self-love in a more practical, approachable light. I know as we went through each segment, I had shared with you the guidance earlier to maybe pay attention to what areas you feel strong in, especially in this moment, and what areas you feel that you might have some opportunities for growth. I hope you consider revisiting that over time, not just making it something that you're checking in with just for this podcast, but making it a continual exercise for yourself, just checking in on how you are better loving yourself and as a consequence, better cultivating your mental well-being. For those of you who do have the self-love workbook, there is an activity on page 15 that can help you have a more tangible way of assessing these segments. I like to do that by coloring in the different petals or by gauging the numbers. So we can delve into that. I can talk about all the different renditions if you want to message me and if that's something you're interested in. And as a disclaimer, you do not need the workbook to be able to benefit from everything that you explored in this episode. I do hope though, that this was informative for you and that you are willing to revisit this episode anytime you feel like you're lacking self-love because maybe it'll inspire you to better cultivate the love that you are so worthy and deserving of. I hope this was helpful for you. And as always, please remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. And if you want to reach out with questions or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Shana, or you can reach out at drshana.com. Thanks for learning and growing with me. And I will check in with you next week.